would you serve God leftovers? Now, we might even wonder, I wouldn't even know that I'd have to serve God a meal, right? <laughs> but we do serve God. What do we give him? Do we give him leftovers? Well, what are leftovers? Well, you know, you've made so much for the meal, and there's some leftover. And so you're thinking, well, I could still get some use out of this. I don't want to waste it. If it was something that was tasty, I won't throw it away. I can still enjoy another meal of it. So you put it in the fridge. And unless it has changed colors, you'll probably eat it sometime during the week. But to be honest, when you do eat the leftovers, they may not taste quite as good as they did that first time when it's fresh. But you know, leftovers can be pretty convenient, right? Boy, if we have some leftovers in the refrigerator, that means I don't have to fix a meal. I don't have to worry about, if, you know, do I have all the right stuff and have to make a trip to the grocery store? I can just pull this out because it's there, and now I can use it, and everybody's happy, see? So there's not a lot of thought or effort sometimes that goes into a meal that is simply the leftovers. But we do it. Do we do that with God, too? Do we give him what is simply leftover in our week with our time? Or leftover what we have of our talent that we could use? Or even the, the leftovers after we've paid all the bills and we have some leftover we can give to the Lord? Well, this month as we are looking at this idea of the harvest of blessings that God gives us, we want to see how we can cultivate a, a heart for this harvest of the Lord. And today we want to look at those blessings that God has given us that he refers to as our first fruits. And then to see that there's a way that we can show our appreciation to God for those first fruits. Now what we're going to see is that, that in the scriptures, God speaks of three first fruits blessings that he has given to us, and how we in turn can be first fruits givers. Now, what's the idea behind the first fruits? Well, the idea is that it's the very first thing you get. But it's not just the first thing you get, it's the fact that there will be more that come, that there's a second and a third and a fourth fruit as well. Well, let's take a look at those things that God says are his first fruit gifts to us. The first one that comes to my mind is this one from, that the Apostle Paul speaks of from 1 Corinthians 15. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man... The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. And so the first blessing that I think of when we talk about firstfruits is that of the resurrection that God promises us that Christ was that first fruits blessing for us. And, and I think Paul explained why that is maybe first on our list 
and so important. Because he said, in Adam all die. Now we know that we are mortal. That unless the Lord comes back before we die, this body is going to die. The soul is going to keep on living. The soul will go to be with the Lord. So in that sense, we don't die but keep living. But the body wears down and it's going to rest. It's, it's going to die. And the reason for that, he said, is because of in Adam. Just as sin entered the world, the Bible tells us, through that one man, so sin has come to all. And, and because sin has come to all, so is death. That's the reason behind it. You can come up with any, any reason why somebody has, has died from uh, an accident to just old age or, or a disease. But finally, it all comes down to sin. God said, because we've sinned, we will die. But God wants us to live. And so he has provided a blessing that overcomes that curse of death. And that blessing is life through Christ. Christ came and, and died for our sins. He paid the penalty so that we won't die eternally. And he also rose from the dead to assure us that we too are going to rise. And so he has become the first fruits. Because Christ is risen, we will rise too. Jesus pictured that, the purpose of his death, when he talked about it like a seed. He said, unless a seed is buried in the ground, it's not going to grow and produce life. And so he too had to suffer death for us so that he could produce life for us. And that's what Paul was describing. The fact that Jesus rose, we too will rise. It's a first fruit blessing. He's the first, we are the ones that follow. Paul describes the beauty of that with his second letter to the Corinthians. He said, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, he's talking about our body. He describes it simply as a tent. It's not very permanent. If that is destroyed, he says, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Now, meanwhile, we groan. That is, we are longing to be clothed with that instead, that is, with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. That is, we will have that blessing of health and no suffering. We will have that blessing of eternal life, not an end to life. He goes on. He says, for while we are in this tent, we groan and we're burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with, with blessing, with life, instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. That's God's purpose for you, that you would live eternally. And he has provided the means by which that will happen. Christ, who was raised from the dead, so being the first, you will be the second and the third and the fourth. And then he said, who, God who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. How do I know the resurrection is real? How can I trust those words? Paul says, God has given us 
his spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Now, you all know what a deposit is, right? If, if you've purchased a car, you put down a down payment. If you purchased a house, you put down a down payment, right? You couldn't afford the whole thing, but you were telling them, I'm giving you this much now as a guarantee that I'm going to pay the rest later. And God is saying, I want you to have a guarantee that the resurrection, that your eternal life is real. I'm going to give you my spirit. And the Apostle Paul tells us that's the second first fruits blessing that God gives us. He writes, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait for our adoption to sonship the redemption of our bodies. So God has also given us the blessing of the Spirit, the first fruits of the Spirit. So just as God gives one gift with the Spirit, so there will be more fruits that come. The Spirit is the one who gives us faith, who gives us trust to believe that what God has said is true. I will live forever because of what Jesus has done for me. That's faith. But then there's even more that comes after that. There are more fruits the Spirit gives us. Not only do we have, have faith and, and trust, but we also have joy in it. That even though we go through sufferings in life, we can have joy knowing that God is going to bless us through that and for eternity. He also gives us comfort then to know that he hasn't left us, but he still is blessing us. And... He has given us hope, something to look forward to, to stand firm on as a confidence for our life forever. That's called the fruits of faith. And because he gave you his spirit, the first fruit, you will get those other fruits as well. When I was a kid and, and uh, growing up in our family, and I don't know how it came to be, but it, everybody had a tree in the yard that was theirs. So my, my father's tree was the, the big productive apple tree. And my mother had a, a lilac bush or a lilac tree, the pretty lilacs that she liked. And uh, my oldest brother, he had the tall elm tree. And my uh, second brother had uh, a tree that was kind of, I guess, reflective of his personality. It was a messy crab apple tree. <laughs> and I had a cherry tree, and my little sister had a pear tree. Now, you know how it is among siblings sometimes. You know, there's a little bit of rivalry, a little bit of teasing. Well, I would always tease my sister, and she and I get along well. We love each other very much. But I would always uh, tease her that, you know, your tree, it doesn't produce any fruit. Of course, neither did mine, but I wasn't going to point that out. But, you know, I kept bothering her, some tree that is, there's no pears. And then lo and behold, one summer, finally, it produced one pear. <laughs> and I teased her, wow, what a great tree that is, wow, you have one pear. And she said, well, where are the cherries? Yeah. Oh, they'll come, they'll come. And then the next year, it was a couple pears. And then the next year after that, there was more pears and more pears. And my cherry tree, nothing. So... Guess which tree dad cut down? <laughs> yeah. It didn't produce fruit. It was worthless, so it existed. It didn't have 
that following fruit. Well, that's not you and me. We have the blessings of the first fruits of the Spirit. We have that faith, but we also have a confidence. We have joy. We have comfort. We have a hope we can stand on that's firm. You see, the Spirit produces those things in us. Uh, yesterday, was in, I was in prison. Not because I did anything wrong, mind you. Uh, but I was visiting our guys there. We, we haven't been up there for a few months. Um, and it was just so encouraging to hear from them, again, their stories of faith and their walk in faith. I mean, they would describe very openly their life of crime, what, what brought them, their sentence. But how repentant they are of it and how trusting they are in the forgiveness that God gives them. And, and they describe how their life is so different now. When they got to prison, they were mean, and they were hateful, and they were in crime, uh, gangs rather, in prison. But when they came to know the Lord, they left all of that. And, and were criticized by fellow inmates, you know, oh, you Christian, yeah, what's that gonna do for you? But they have a hope and they have a joy that they live out now. That's the fruits of the Spirit, and God produces those in our life too. In fact, through those fruits, we can reach out to others and produce another first fruit of God. James writes, to those, uh, to, He chose us to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all He created. In other words, he's telling us that as we became believers, so he uses us to be the first fruit for more believers. You know, I think it would be real exciting. I don't know if, if, if God will let this happen in heaven, but it'd be really exciting, I think, to be able to look back over the centuries to see how God's word produced more believers. You know, we look in the Bible and we see, okay, Jesus called one, he called two, he called a few, and then there, by the time of his resurrection, there's a few hundred, and then after that, there's thousands who start coming to the Lord. And if we were be able to look back over the centuries, we would see how that number probably is multiplied to billions, and you and I are part of it. Not just that we're standing in that crowd, not just that we're gathered here, but also that we are the first fruits to produce more. That God will use us in sharing the faith so that more may come into that harvest of believers. What a blessing it is that we have these first fruits of God, of the resurrection that gives eternal life, of the Spirit who gives us that, that trust and joy and comfort that we need now, and that He uses us to bring more into his harvest. It's a wonderful pledge that God has given us. You know, we often hear of promises that people make to us, whether it be politicians or others, and oftentimes those promises aren't filled, maybe because they were empty promises to begin with, or maybe because the people just were not able to carry them out. Maybe something else interfered and kept them from carrying out that promise. But it's not that way with God. It's a pledge. It's a guarantee. We have a guarantee of eternal life. It's Jesus who lives now. We have the guarantee that we'll get through this life. 
with confidence and with joy and comfort because the Spirit gives that to us. And we have the confidence that there will be more who will be added to this harvest because God's work produces that. What a wonderful pledge we have from God. No doubt, no doubt at all, it works. But more just than just rejoicing in that pledge, it's also rejoicing in the fact that it's a privilege for us, that God has called us to see those blessings, to live those blessings out, and, and to share them with others. God has called us to be his harvesters. That's part of the first fruits. So in light of that, would you serve leftovers to God? When he has given you the very best, his son and eternal life, when he's given you his spirit to give you faith and comfort and joy, when he's given you others that you serve and they come to the Lord, would you simply give God what's left over? Rather, we would reflect on what he has done and give to him our first fruits. And that's what we want to focus on today. How can we show appreciation to God for those first fruits? The concept of first fruits was something that God already taught in, in the Old Testament. He instructed his Israelite followers to follow the commands for a particular festival. Listen to these words as he described it. First in, in the book of Leviticus, a, a book that we often don't read from because it's filled with all these laws and, and rituals from the Old Testament that we don't follow, but they still have a message for us. So let's hear what the message is behind this festival of first fruits. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites. So in other words, here's a message for my people, and that's us today. Say to them, when you enter the land I'm going to give you. That was the land of Canaan the land flowing with milk and honey, the land full of blessings. Well, we just reviewed the blessings God gives us. So when you receive those blessings, he says, and you reap its harvest, bring to the priest a sheaf of the first grain of your harvest. So he's reminding us then that what we first get, we need to reflect on that this is a blessing from God and show that in God's temple. He is to wave the sheaf before the Lord so it will be accepted on your behalf. The priest is to wave it on the day after the Sabbath. The Sabbath day was Saturday, so the day after is Sunday. The Lord was reminding us to get together to give him thanks for the blessings he's provided. Now he goes on. On the day you wave the sheaf, you must sacrifice as a burnt offering to the Lord a lamb, a year old, without defect. A burnt offering, as you heard me teach before, is that that whole offering was consumed. It was to be symbolic that, Lord, we're dedicating our whole life to you. Not just a little bit, not just the leftovers, the whole thing. Together with its grain offering of two-tenths of an ephah, the finest flour mixed with olive oil. And then he goes on, and it's a drink offering of a quarter of a hin of wine. So all those physical things that he has given us, he wants us to give a portion back to him. 
And the purpose, he said, was to present it to the Lord as a pleasing aroma, something we're giving to please the Lord, to show him our thankfulness for what he's already given us. And so with that, he's simply teaching us, as Moses would summarize later, well, one more passage. He said, you must not eat any bread or roasted or new grain until the very day you bring this offering to your Lord. So there he was saying, give first to the Lord and then take care of yourself. And so Moses summarized it simply with this. Bring the best of your first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. To summarize what he was teaching us then about appreciating the first gifts, we might put it this way. It's acknowledging that everything is the Lord's. And that what we, that what we have has been given to us simply as a gift of his grace. It's not something we've earned. not something we've produced or worked but something that God has given because of his love. And then he asked us to simply return a portion of it as our thankfulness to him for the blessing. And the rest that we have, we can use, but use in a way that's dedicated to the Lord. By that we mean use it in a way that's godly. That was the idea behind the first fruits giving in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, those same principles are applied. So let's hear how we are instructed to live, showing appreciation for the first fruit blessings of God. Jesus starts us out when he says, you know the pagans run after all of these things. That is everything that you want in life, everything that you need in life. That's what everybody, I gotta get this, I gotta get this, I need more of that. Jesus says your heavenly father knows you need those things and so he's gonna give them to you but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek God first and his righteousness, because that's what you need to live forever. The righteousness that Jesus lived for you with his obedient life. The forgiveness that he has for you to remove all your sins because of his death. And the life that he won for you with his resurrection, conquering death. Seek that first. And then everything you need in this life, you'll have that too. So what he's teaching us is first, rely on God who provides for all of you, all you need. With that as a basis, the Apostle Paul taught the first Christians then how they can appreciate the first fruits of those blessings from God. He writes, Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. From those simple instructions, we can learn five basic points about the type of giving, first fruits giving, God encourages us to do. First, it's understanding that we are to return to the Lord a portion of what he has given us. And here's the guide he gives us. First, make it a priority. He said, on the first day of every week, so before you get going with the rest of your week, before you start spending on everything else, first, set aside an offering for the Lord. Make it a priority. Second, 
It's personal. By that I mean everybody is to do it. He said, each one of you should set aside a sum of money. Each one of you. You know, it's easy sometimes to say, well, you know, there's a lot of people here. I'm sure somebody else will take care of the need. It might be easy for us to look around and say, you know what, I think they make more than I do. And I'm sure that they can handle it. I, I, don't, I don't have anything. No. God said, each one of you has been blessed. And so each one of you can give. So he said, make it planned. Set it aside. Think through what it is the Lord has given you. And start with those first fruit blessings that God has given you. Christ and the resurrection to eternal life. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. He's given you his spirit now so that you have faith and joy and comfort. And he surrounded you with other believers. Look at those first fruits. And from that, plan what you can give to the Lord. And then he says it should be proportionate. He doesn't ask for it all. God just says a portion of it. Now in the Old Testament, he told his people to give 10%. They call it a tithe. But in the New Testament, he hasn't commanded that. And New Testament believers don't seem to follow that very well either because the average in New Testament giving is more like 2 or 3%, way off than 10%. But God just said, set aside a portion. Look at how blessed you are and give that in return to me for a purpose. Paul was collecting this offering among the new Christians in Asia Minor. It was for the Christians in Jerusalem who were going through a difficult time because of a famine. He reminded them of how those Christians in Jerusalem gave first to the Lord. They supplied what was needed in sending out missionaries who brought the word of life to these people in Asia Minor. Now, blessed with that faith and confidence, he said, let's return to them a portion of the physical things we have to take care of their needs. The purpose for which God wants us to give offerings to him is to thank him and then to support the work that the people do in sharing the gospel with others. Part of that first fruits harvest of believers. When we follow those principles, we will be blessed and there will be more to the harvest. As John in Revelation saw, they follow the lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased from among mankind and offered as first fruits to God and the Lamb. More will be added to the harvest. So, God is simply encouraging us to reflect on the first fruits that He has given us. And as we reflect, then, to evaluate our giving, that we can reflect our thankfulness and appreciation with trust and reliance on what he has given that we can further the harvest of souls. When I was a, a vicar as part of our training, we had to spend a year in our training from the seminary as, as being like an assistant to a pastor. You were a student pastor. And I did that in Southern California. And I remember in one congregation meeting, there was a, a battle of the budget, you know, <laughs> How can we afford to do this? There's no way. We don't have the money for this or that. And an elderly man stood up. He was in his 80s. And he said, I want to tell you guys something. He said, I remember reading from the Bible 
where in the Old Testament God said, test me on this and see if I won't open the doors of my storehouse and bless you. And Tony said, I want to tell you what I did. I was going to test the Lord because I didn't think that he could do, that he could outgive me. So I gave a lot of my income that year to the church. And the Lord gave me more. And I thought that was maybe just a fluke. So he said, the next year I gave even more, thinking there's no way God can give that much back. And he did. And he did it another year. And God gave him even more. And he simply said this, remember, you can never outgive God. God will always bless you according to your needs. So we don't give because there's a budget. We give out of thankfulness. We give because God has given us a purpose to proclaim his grace. So let's not give God our leftovers of our time, of our talent, or our treasure, but let's give him the very first and the very best for the harvest of souls. Amen.